Pray with me. O God, who on the holy mount revealed to your chosen witnesses your well-beloved Son, wonderfully transfigured in raiment of white and glistening, mercifully grant that we, being delivered from the disquietude of this world, may by faith behold the King in his beauty. With you, O Father, and you, O Holy Spirit, lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for those of you who do not know, my name is Father Lawrence McElrath, and I serve as the curate of this wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, I'm very young, very new uh, in the ministry. I've been ordained not quite uh, two months now, uh, and our rector uh, is away on sabbatical, and he gave me one job, check the bulletin. <laughs> that was the job, check check the bulletin. He gave me a red pen and everything. It was my job to make sure the right prayer, the right prop proper uh, preface was, was there in the bulletin. Uh, and so that was me stumbling earlier, realizing that it was the proper preface from last, from last Sunday and not the one from this Sunday. So I read the one from this Sunday because otherwise the vestments that I have on and the color white and all of that doesn't make sense. So why am I wearing white today? What is it all about? What is this Sunday all about? This Sunday happens to be the Feast of the Transfiguration. The Feast of the Transfiguration the day in which our Lord was transfigured before James, Peter, and John. Lord was transformed, and there we saw his glory. There they saw his glory. There they saw his glory. Well, if you've been uh, at Holy Trinity for the last couple of, last couple of uh, Sundays, you know we've been, uh, on a, on a little, uh, uh, we've been on a little pilgrimage through Matthew 13. We've been on a little pilgrimage from Matthew 13, and we spent three weeks uh, going through Matthew 13. The first, sun, uh, the first Sunday, uh, we talked about uh, the Word of God uh, being a seed that is planted in our hearts. And if our hearts are good soil, then uh, it should produce fruit, produce a harvest, 30, 60, and 100-fold. We ought to produce the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is telling this parable in Matthew 13, and he's talking about us individually, how we ought to live individually. And then the next Sunday, I talked about, uh, uh, in Matthew 13, I talked about uh, the weed and the tares. The weed and the tares. And how they grow up together. And there we talked about how, how God uh, gives us a responsibility to the world and how we ought to live our faith corporately. We talked about how we're bound up together in this thing with the world. It's impossible to separate us. And it's not our job to, to judge the world for being the world. Jesus never yells at sinners for being sinners in the scriptures. He never does that. His judgment is always to the church. His judgment is always to the teacher. His judgment is always uh, to those who claim to know him. And he challenges us that Sunday to, to, to be an example through our love and to model faith in him. That people would see our faith and want to know more about Jesus. And last Sunday, we, we, we talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, how, how it, it's really not about us. The kingdom of God is never about us. It's not about our faith. It's not about how good we are, how good we are as evangelists, or, or what we do and our good works and all these things. It's not about us. It's always been about Jesus. The kingdom of God is about Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is the message of Jesus Christ. Him, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Paul said, I refuse to know nothing among you except what? Christ and him crucified. 
That's the message of the gospel. That's what we are to preach. That's what we are to teach. That's what we are to live. We are to point people to Jesus, not, not to ourselves. So we were there, and now we end up on this Sunday, the Feast of the Transfiguration. So we've talked about the value of the kingdom of God and, and our role in it and all this stuff. And now we end up here this Sunday, the Feast of the Transfiguration, where we see Christ transfigured. What does that mean? Our scriptures tell us, that our lesson tells us this morning, that, that, that Jesus was not only transfigured, but a voice came from heaven. And it said, this is my beloved son, my chosen. Listen to him. Why? Why should we listen to Jesus? Because Jesus alone has the words of life. Jesus alone has the words of life. He is not uh, just, uh, uh, following him is not just a way to eternal life, but he is eternal life. He is eternal life. He's the son of of God. And that's what this Sunday is all about. Acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. Our lesson, we, we, uh, our lesson from, the, from the New Testament, uh, our epistle lesson from Peter, it talks about Peter not, not, uh, not following. Uh, he, he, Peter is, is, is uh, talking uh, and he's writing this letter and he's saying, hey, I want you to know something. I'm getting, I'm gonna, it's, it's about to be my time. My time is almost ended. I'm going to die. It doesn't look like I'm going to get out of here, but I want you to know one thing. That which we have told you about Jesus is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It really happened. The gospel, all of that stuff that we proclaimed, all of that stuff we believe, it really happened. And I want you to know that before I, before I go. I want you to know this is not a myth. This is not a fairy tale. It really happened. The resurrection of Jesus really happened. His death really happened. He really was born of a virgin. But why, why was that so important? Because there are people in that age then and people now who don't believe that Jesus really got up, who don't believe that that Jesus was really born of a virgin, who don't really believe uh, what the scriptures tells us about Jesus. They don't really believe that he is the image of the invisible God, that in him, in Christ Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. They don't believe that he was born of a virgin. They, they don't believe, they can't, map their, they can't wrap their minds around it. So Peter is saying, hey, this isn't hearsay. This isn't a rumor. This really happened. And so in our story, Peter is, is, is on the mountain. He's on the mountain. And, and, and being on a mountain is, is very important. And I don't want to skip over that. He, he is on a mountain. That location is very important. In the ancient times, people uh, would, would, would go to worship their gods on these mountains because they believed that getting closer, uh, getting closer to God, uh, being on top of mountains, you were able to be closer to God. And when you were closer to God, he was able to hear you better. So they would go up into the mountains and quiet themselves and get away from, from all the noise of, 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 of life and all that stuff and still themselves so they could talk to God. But more importantly, so that they could hear from God. There was a, there was a custom and a belief that the larger the mountain uh, you, you would claim a mountain for your God, and the larger the mountain was, the greater your God was. Our scriptures tells us that, that the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of our God, is the tallest mountain of all the mountains. That's saying that God is the God of all gods. He's the very God of very gods. He is the king and chief of all gods. This is our Jesus. This is our God. This is the God we worship in the Christian faith. Mountains were very important throughout scripture. We see Abraham and Isaac going up to a mountain. We see Moses 
uh, uh, on a mountain. He, he's in the desert, and then he goes off into a mountain, uh, we, uh, coming down uh, after he's gotten the commandments of the Lord. Moses is at a mountain. We, Isaiah is talking about this mountain of the Lord. Jesus is always on the mountainside preaching and teaching. When he goes to Gethsemane, there he's at the mountain where he's talking with God. And here, uh, he, he's, on a, he's on a mountain talking with God. It's, it's, it's really important because at, at Gethsemane, we see, the, we see the humanity of God. But here, here on this mountain, we see Christ's divinity. Why, why is that important? Why was it important that Christ show to the disciples his divinity? It was proof, it was proof positive that what was about to take place in Jerusalem, the crucifixion, everything that was about to take place was real. He was, he was saying, I am the son of God and I do have the authority uh, to, to, to lay down my life and pick it back up again. Jesus is saying, I am who they say I am. He's talking to two figures, Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law and, 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 and Elijah representing the prophets. And they're talking about his death. They're talking about his death. He's interpreting the scriptures. He's, Jesus says in, in, in Luke 24 that the scriptures, the law and the prophets are all about me. I am that which the prophets talked about. I am he. I've come. I've come to do a work in the world. Jesus Christ is that seed that was planted into the world. And it grows up into the kingdom of God. He planted a seed in the midst of the world. Started the largest coup. His plan is to overtake the kingdom of this world and establish his kingdom. The kingdom of our God. In which we are members because of the blood of the lamb. Because of his sacrifice. Because of what he did on the cross. You see, if he wasn't God, none of this mattered. If he wasn't God, he couldn't take away the sins of the world. None of it mattered. But he was making a point. He was proving that he is, in fact, God. That's important. That's important. Because if he is God, then he really did get up. If he is God, if he is who the scriptures say that he is, then we have every right to put our trust and faith in him. We have every right to put our trust and our faith in him. If he is God, then it's he that we should worship. He makes the largest difference in our lives. Peter, in our story, is, is building a tabernacle. And many scholars have, have criticized Peter for building this tabernacle. But if you read the scriptures, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. And other times when, when, when uh, Jesus is not shy and sometimes he'll rebuke people for doing actions and speaking and different things like that, he's correcting them. And, and, but here Jesus doesn't, doesn't do that. Peter's building a tabernacle and he doesn't say anything. Except a voice from heaven comes and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And many scholars, I said many scholars have criticized Peter for building these tabernacles saying, well, maybe he's trying to, to, to bring forth his kingdom and what he thinks the Messiah should be, or on all of these things. But I think Peter has gotten it right. Peter doesn't want to let this moment go. Peter doesn't want to let this moment go. He sees Jesus Christ transfigured, human flesh glowing with the glory of God. He understands, and in that moment, I think it makes sense to him. He understands that God 
has become like us so that we could become like him. God came down through, uh, through 40 and two generations and burst open a virgin's womb, wrapped himself in flesh, becoming like us, shows himself, shows himself in glory and wonderful white array. Why? As a glimpse so that we could become like him because of his death on the cross through faith in him. We are now children and sons of God. We are heirs of the promise of God. You see, Jesus, being the Son of God, gives us right to be children of God. Gives us the right to be children of God. And the scriptures tell us it is by that spirit, that spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. Peter wants to make it clear. Peter is writing this letter uh, in, in, in our epistle reading, and he wants to make it very clear. The things that have taken place on that mountain really did happen. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, it should change how we live. What difference has the Son of God made in your life? What difference has the Son of God made in your life? And I'm not going to attempt to answer that question for you. But Peter says it should make all the difference. It was the reason he was willing to be martyred. It was the reason he was willing to preach so hard and lay down his life for this gospel. For this Jesus. Because Jesus is the Son of God. In a moment, we're going to have communion. And we're going to receive our Lord. What difference is it making in your life? Now that you're a Christian, you believe that. Now that you're a Christian, what difference is it making in your life? Are you going out and you're telling people about Christ? Are you trying to hold on to it? What difference is believing that Jesus is the Son of God making in your life? I challenge you, it should make all the difference. And we should worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We should worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Why? For that is the kind of worshipers that the Father wants. If we're going to worship Jesus, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. He is the Son of God. He is the only begotten of the Father. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, who for us and for our salvation, he was crucified and suffered death under Pontius Pilate. But he got up. And he made all the difference in the world. Christ is the Son of God. This is an infallible proof. Christ is the Son of God. And if he's the Son of God, what difference is he making in your life? For Peter, he made a world of difference. For the disciples gathered there, their, their lives were changed forever. Peter began to understand it. And maybe I, I, I really think that it was this moment that when Peter makes his confession, he says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I, I, I believe it was this moment that flashed back in his mind where he saw the Lord transfigured. Where he saw humanity become divinity. And while he didn't understand the mystery, it made sense. I know that I know I know I know I said a lot there. While he didn't understand the mystery, it all began to make sense. Jesus Christ must be the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Why are you saying that so much? Because I want you to get it. He is the Son of God. 
And him being the Son of God, it should change the way we live our lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.